Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. So I was thinking, who are we covering this week? And the smart play is to cover his biggest hit, which is yep. Beautiful Disaster. Yeah. But in classic JP fashion, I'm like, nah, we're the host and we get to pick our favorite. You're darn right. So I told the artist which song we're covering. Normally, I, I try to give a little leeway, like trying to direct, like, hey, what if we cut? But in this one, I was like, zero room for compromise on this one. I was like, we're covering Industry, and here it is by John. Kick it off. John McLaughlin, Industry, Kablam. Do you want it down? I don't keep going. It just shows that I got beat by an industry that I'll never see. Holy cow. Come on. Goodness gracious. Unashamedly, I love songs that are really meta about songs that are about songwriting or or songs that are about playing live or songs that are about the music industry. It's it that puts an instant like letter grade up for me. If a song is about songs, yeah, I just that's good, dude. I love it. I don't know. Is that a thing? Like, 
I wonder if I'm trying to think if I like movies about movie making or you yeah, know whatever in the it. same way. I don't think that I do. I think it's only about music. Music about music uh-huh. is one of my favorite things. It's, I just it's brilliant. Yeah, it's so great. The uh, and I'll go ahead and tell you, I geeked out over this interview and all of my best things about the song about the artist are in the interview. Okay, like I the stuff that's going to be the build up to the interview. I'm going to give you the best I got, but I was like, I invested everything in the interview <laughs> on this one. So yeah. stick around, hang out with us, guys. You're going to love John. That's He's right. so cool. So that Great is dude. John McLaughlin, uh, J-O-N, not J-O-H-N, uh, which is going to put you in a weird jazz category uh-huh. that you're probably not ready for. Um, Pronounce McLaughlin that's if, right. if yes. you so, look up the other guy. That's right. So J-O-N McLaughlin is really handsome, good-looking dude that writes <laughs> pop music, incredible <laughs> piano player. And then J-O-H-N McLaughlin, but spelled the same way, is uh, like heady, progressive jazz with a tone that I like super hate. Um, <laughs> so like if uh, – yeah, let me see if I can play a little, a little uh, John, John McLaughlin – uh, just so you get a feel, so you know, if you hear this, you're in the wrong spot, okay? <laughs> I've just, like, first of all, John McLaughlin is a jazz legend, uh-huh. like, literally. Uh, an incredible player. I just hate his tone. This kind of sounds like he's playing through a Zoom yes. or a DOD Dude, pedal. Okay, I like A one. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's just a, it's just a, some of it, it gets a little weird for me. Okay, and I'm and I'm and I'm good with some weird, but like it's too it's too much for me. And that in combination with his tone makes me just go, I don't I don't think you're my guy. You know, <laughs> like yep. there's other. Give me George Benson. Give me give me. Uh, John Schofield. Uh, give me John Schofield, yeah. who's got like a grittier tone. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But it's not that. That exactly sounds like the old Zoom pedals uh-huh. that's just plugged straight into a board. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, no, there's no amp involved. Oh, here comes A3. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. But so that's it. I, listen, if we just introduced you to another John McL that you're that you're happy about, <laughs> then great. You're welcome. Um, but we're talking to the young, handsome, uh, just chiseled chin. My <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Um, it's, it's so funny because like, uh, if you go on John McLaughlin's, uh, YouTube channel, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Start watching videos. You'll see a lot of comments that start with something like, listen, I'm not gay, but if I was, <laughs> <laughs> you get so much of that in his YouTube comments. It's great. Uh, okay. So this is, uh, the song industry from the 2007 album, Indiana. First track off first full length studio album. This is yeah. like, welcome to John Land. Hello world. Hello world. Yeah, that's good. That's he'd done some uh, independent stuff before this, and uh, and you know more regional stuff. But this is his first nationwide, um, you know, uh, album. Um, what am I trying to say? Label release, mm-hmm. um, Indiana. Not to be confused with the 2020 album Indiana by Rob Alderman and the and Unfortunate there we Return, go. There we uh, go. featuring our friend Joey Abbott on bass. There we go. There we go. Guest of friend That's of right. the podcast. And speaking of bass, Joey, great bass player, but also great uh, musicianship on this album. Can we meet the band real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Let's meet this band. Okay. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! 
All right, we're going to meet the band that played on the Indiana album and industry on drums. Matt Chamberlain, stuff with Bob Dylan, the Wallflowers, David Bowie, Come Amos on. Lee, Kanye West, John Mayer, Matt Chamberlain. Love the drums on this song. Legend. And they're so compressed. I love the really just squishy sound yeah. of these drums. Love them. Me too. On bass, Tad Wadhams or Wadhams. Tad Wadhams? Tad That's w- my favorite name I've <laughs> ever prob- heard in my life. It's probably Wadhams, but we'll go with Tad Wadhams. I don't know. I mean, why Tad Wadhams? Tad Wadhams? <laughs> Tad Wadhams. Dude, Let's just say it fast really quick. Man, Tad Wadhams, Tad Wadhams, Tad Wadhams, Tad Wadhams, Tad Wadhams. Love- <laughs> it's amazing. I, there's so many things I feel like he could have succeeded in life as. That's right. You know what I mean? I can easily see Tad Wadhams' like car dealership. Oh, yeah. Tad Wadhams' attorney at law. Uh, there's just so That's much good. that, like, I, that is a name that gets you somewhere. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? That Gr- name Greeter at Walmart. Hey, welcome, Tad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm Tad Wadhams. That's right, Tad. I mean, there's just so much that I feel like he could have done. Tad Wadhams, your local neighborhood, whatever. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> yes, trust Tad Wadhams. Trust Tad Wadhams. With, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on. Tad, Tad Wadhams for state senate, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, come on. Run for president. Tad. Dude, Tad. Tad Wadhams for president. Let's get Let's buttons made. That's our next shirt. <laughs> yeah, Tad Wadhams for president. That's Awesome. He pretty much he played on pretty much everything Cheryl Crow did that was ever good. Wow! So <laughs> all the good, good stuff that's Tad on. Okay, base. all right. All the other stuff anyway, <laughs> not Tad on guitar. Don Kirkpatrick stuff with Joe Cocker, Michael Bolton played on the Amy Grant Heart Emotion album. So Don Kirkpatrick, good last name. Boom. Not any sure. Yeah. Not Wayne Kirkpatrick I, yeah. re- relation. Maybe who knows. B3 organ on this album. Buck Johnson, he also does some backing vocals, toured as the keys and acoustic guitarist with Aerosmith. Okay. Stuff with the Doobie Brothers. Tall Bachman. There we yeah, go. Yeah, okay. Santana, John Waite. And no, he's not the same guy's NBA basketball player, Buck Johnson. <laughs> um, so th- Golly, what a band on this what track. What a band. No wonder it freaking rocks. Backing vocals. Jamie Houston also produced and engineered lots with Disney. High School Musical, um, et okay. cetera. Also, CeCe Winans, Macy Gray. Yeah. And podcast frequent guest, Aaron Neville. Hey! You still got it in you? Wow. <laughs> Aaron, thank you for stopping by. This is me. There he is. Oh, my. <laughs> Aaron, well done. Wow. Well played. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping Aaron, by, Aaron. Geez. It's been a minute. So that's the band. Pretty uh, intense crew there. That was pretty fun to do, actually. That was I good. Think I could do a. I think you should do. We should do a cover. Could we could do a full cover as Aaron, Aaron Neville. Yeah, that was good. I think so. Um, one time, I don't. You don't remember Vine. There's no way you were. I don't even think you. You didn't. This is before you had a. a you still have a flip phone at this point, so you don't know what Vine was. But the funniest Vine I ever did that got no love. I got no love ever on Vine. But one of my favorite vines I ever did was uh, an Aaron Neville Vine, and I wanted to try and get. This is so mean. You know how <laughs> this he has is what like gets us canceled. Yeah, you know how he has like the the wart, the, the, the big yeah, the like spot yeah, on his face. Um, I poured a one sauce on my no, cheek, dude, no. and uh, and did some Aaron Neville. Man, stuff. we were so was... close to having Aaron on the podcast, and then he listened to this. <laughs> Sorry, that's all right. Anywho, golly, what a band though. Back to positivity. Um, back back straight up to positivity. Let's break down the song a little bit. I want to uh, I want to play you a little bit of uh, a couple couple pieces of the song just to point out some stuff that we just really 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 love. Okay, let's first start with this. You can call it an intro. I'm going to call it a prelude Ooh. because John is classically trained and Boom. he knows what he's doing. There we go. If you ever just watch him just play and you talk about dueling pianos, uh, you know all that stuff. He, I mean, the guy can go. He's got chops. Don't let pop music fool you into thinking this guy's just a pretty face. He's also <laughs> pretty fingers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, who's his hand twin? 
The oh. friends, uh, have you ever that? There's an episode what? where Joey's got somebody that, that says they have the same hands. Oh, as that's him. funny. I, and I say this because it's a tied story that we may or may not use. I was at McDonald's the other night getting some food, and the girl that handed me my food, our hands looked identical. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, babe, look at this. And my hand looked so much like the girl's hand that was handing me my Big Mac. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's horrifying. Long, skinny, white arms and everything. (laughs) Same hands. Wow. Okay, well. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway. That's a great side story. Um, all right, let's uh, let's listen to this. I'm going to call it the prelude. And so what we're going to get here is this opening thing, which is in a sturdy 6-8 tempo. Okay. And then at the end of it, um, it's gonna sl- it's gonna suddenly subito for the classical folks out there. Kabam! Suddenly, I'm gonna try and use some classical language because I know John would appreciate it. So subito, it's going to uh, it's gonna change into what I'm gonna call either a swing four four, okay, or twelve eight, a fast twelve eight, okay, or a swung four four, okay? okay. So let's let's take a listen. Count it for us too. Okay, when you get there. so you got the beginning. Four five six one two four four. One, two, right? It's Piano Man. It's just faster. So all this stays in that. And we know it's He's there going ham. because of where the accents are. Yeah. Where they hit. Wait, four. So you could call it 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You could call yeah, it 12, 12 eight. 8. But for me, I'm calling it 6. Then boom. 3, three 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So now we're in this bouncy, what I would call a swing four, really. Yeah, it's just four. A triplet feel four, four, three, you know. four, one, two, three, yeah. four. That's where it is. It's just easier to do it that way and call it swing. So, love that. The first time I heard it, I was like, what just happened? I had to get my bearings, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, If you're I, clapping along. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not, so often what you'll what you'll get if you have a... Um, uh, a, a meter shift like that, or even uh, you know something like that, will, will be you'll have something that t- that carries through mm-hmm. some some part of usually it's like an eighth note or something that you can latch onto that you can make sense of the of the tempo change. But here it's just literally it's just a complete shift for me. If if there's something there to latch onto, I haven't latched onto it yet. Yeah. As far as being able to keep the tempo that you could, you know, line it up with a click somewhere and the and the eighth note might keep going at least in some sort of subdivision of the beat. This is not one of those at least as I hear it. Mm-hmm. Um like I have a hard time and this is just why we're talking about it. I could be way off, but the Tool song, Schism or whatever, uh-huh. I have a hard time counting that one. Mm. Do you know that's a pretty mm. popular bass riff, but like <laughs> But I don't know where the, I have a hard time finding the downbeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like, yeah. So, you know, normally you might have something that goes from, um, I'm trying to think, like Dream Theater would do this all the time. Mike Portnoy would be playing some drum thing, and then he would switch it up, but it's like they would go into 4-4 and then play some other thing that was in like 6-8, but something would line up, and they would Mm -hmm. do a meter change where you go 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, At the beginning of that one. Yeah, and so, so, but there in that case, like the eighth note is your – is your lifeline mm-hmm. to be able to hang on. Yeah. This for me, and this is one of the reasons I really call it a prelude, is because it it feels like it stops and here's the real piece that mm-hmm. you're getting into. That's good. You know what I mean? I like that. So I'll call it the prelude. John, you can correct us if if uh, if that's poor information. Or if there's a better way to think of it or count it, then let's let's do that. Let us know. Uh, and then you get the chorus, which is in that same 
you know, up tempo four, but it's halftime. It's split. So you yeah. get the um you get the instead of one, two, three, four, you get one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Let's hit that course a little bit. This is me on my knees. Still swung. Piano hook. Still there. Yeah, love those chords. And then this second verse. (laughs) Every musician's nightmare he just described. Every musician's nightmare, like, all right, this didn't go over. What do I do now? And we ask him about that. We ask him about about bombing. Um, but uh, just, I mean, that's the literal, like, pinch me. Please tell me this is not real. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. This didn't, I'm getting zero response it's here. Us with David Wilcox at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. I just poured my guts into this performance. And, and he's like, that's the dumbest <laughs> idea I've ever heard. Why would you do a whole album in concert? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Did we talk about that on the show? Yeah. I think we did, right? Yeah, we asked him. I was like, if you were going to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Did tell, yeah, so we, we, we asked David Wilcox if you were going to cover one album in its entirety for a show, which one would you pick? And he was like, that's, that's a stupid. the stupidest idea. Why would anybody ever play an album from start to finish? And then not, what, three months later? A couple months later. After, he's like, after uh, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to play this album in its entirety. <laughs> we're like, what just happened? <laughs> anyway. You, you hypocrite. <laughs> Go back and listen to that interview. I think we're far enough away from, from it now that we can say that was a weird interview. Yeah, we, uh, we, were, we were really uh, – Not in our struggling element. to find our bearings in that interview man he was he was such a deep guy that if you want to hear us experience what john is describing as a musician <laughs> that's right as if you want to hear verse two it live <laughs> then go back and hear us interview david wilcox there you go. So there you go. that's great that's great and then uh okay i'm gonna go to the last chorus uh because there's this like fake out so there's this there's this like trope in pop music country music christian music it's all over the place where at the end you do like a down chorus right after after the bridge, you do it like now a little down, little down, little down, right? And so, um, and then you kick it, you, you kick it back in. So John has this great fake out head of that fake. here. Oh Big man, head it's fake. so good. So you get one line, and then it's boom right uh-huh. back in your face, and I love it. Let's take a listen. This is me. On my knees. Just kidding. That's I love it. That reminds me of again, maybe somebody that you shouldn't watch in its entirety. But did you ever see the amazing Jonathan? Oh, dude, where he's holding the bird. He's like, you like birds, and he's like, bam, 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 (laughs) like smashes the bird. I can't believe I love. The Amazing Jonathan. Yeah. Anyway. I love... I have, it's PG-13, so don't watch it with small oh, children. Oh, it's more than that. It's R. It, it was PG-13 yep. in like 1990 on Comedy Central. Yeah. But it's... it's And uh, there's a... Um, so now... I'm sorry. I have to talk about it for a minute because okay. when, am I, when am I ever going to get to talk about this okay, again? go ahead. I have an autographed copy of his book. Well, look at okay? that. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm a fan. All right. Here's another Amazing Jonathan. I've, Is John McLaughlin a Jonathan? It's got to be. I assume. Okay. Yeah. Ahead. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. But probably. Um, but like, yeah, he's this comedian... Slash magician. No, He's funny. a legit magician who does like a stand-up comedy magic routine, yeah. and it's weird. And the whole thing is just about 
I don't know. It's it's very it, it, bizarre. Yeah, it's, um, but uh, and he's you know he's he's on the he's on the filthy side. There's actually a great documentary um, on him on Hulu. I believe it is available. It was forever called. I think it's just called the Amazing Jonathan documentary or something. But it's a documentary about him and he's like on drugs and he like says he doesn't have much time to live and anyway it all ends up kind of well I don't want to give it away but he's got multiple documentary crews kind of pitting themselves against each other trying to tell his story and it's really it's really fascinating but man he's got some of the funniest some of the funniest I have a thing for magic I go through magic phases every few years and uh he's just one of my favorite like you know Penn and Teller yeah but amazing Jonathan is a, is a is a he's a little edgier he's a little different flavor yeah. you know what i mean um <laughs> it's just funny to me that you brought that up. He's got like one of my favorite jokes of his is he has a thing of Windex um, and he just opens this blue Windex bottle and guzzles the whole thing. Right. And he says, everybody's like laughing, you know, and he's got this weird, just always this wild eyed look. And he goes, I want to take my clothes off and run around. This prevents me from streaking. <laughs> just That's good. come on. Great That's great. That's anyway. Uh, okay. I got in a kick looking for, songs about the music industry. Okay. Okay. That's good. So I found there's a lot of them out there, but some of the more notable ones and, and ones that we would appreciate. Um, I've got a few. And one that really surprised me, I had no idea, and I know you're going to love this. Okay. Okay, let's, first of all, Hook. Yeah, Right. Definitely. Okay, Hook is... By the Blues Traveler. By, by the Blues by, Traveler. By, by Blues Traveler. By them old Blues Travelers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Somewhere John Popper sharpening a sword right now, because I just called him the Blues Traveler. <laughs> He's, he's getting his sword ready and firing up a cannon. Okay. That's awesome. Go uh, back to a listen to our episode on Hook, ooh, and you will get that season that one reference. season one episode like seventeen or eighteen of right. the show. Uh, that was a really fun one. Yeah. Uh, so Hook, obviously about the music industry. Uh, Sarah Bareilles love song, love song yeah, that's the one I was which thinking. we're going to cover in long form at some point when we get um, when we get Sarah Bareilles. John, John, you're our connection to Sarah. Please yeah. take a minute. Um, and uh, and just go ahead and shoot her a message. Yeah. Reach out to these guys. Remind her how much fun you had. I'll sing All Summer is stuff. Over with her. Whatever I got to do. Yeah. Just that we're in it. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, how about this one? How about Dog Man by King's X? It's about the music it's industry. It's about the music industry. Give me a dollar. I, I, give it 50 cents. I, I love that song. I pulled a bunch of stuff off of okay. song facts about this. Okay. So and I'm just going to read some of it. This is from songfacts.com. Um, this song deals with the music industry, which was putting King's X through the ringer. Their longtime manager, Sam Taylor, had mm-hmm. left them, and they were looking for a new one. We knew this. Um, Doug says, we were having all these big-time managers fly in from L.A. to meet us, and it was just really overwhelming. Um, it's all about handshaking, glasses shaking, and the whole deal, just cutting the grass and trying to figure out what to do. The original title was Good Man, with the lyric to be a good man. In King's X, The Oral History, uh, Ty Tabor explained, it didn't fit what I was trying to say, so I remember in rehearsal, we were all sitting around trying to think of things to come up with. I think I just thought about the fact that I love dogs, and always have. I have three right now. I always have dogs. They're family to me. And so then he goes on to say, like, that's great. Basically, whenever we whenever we can't quite land on an idea, we usually just go with whatever the stupidest thing is that somebody throws That's awesome. out. That's good. Uh, which is funny. I like that. But so yeah, it's about Dogman's about the music industry. I we like learned something about King's X. I thought Man. we knew everything. We Man. talked for nine hours with you guys about That's King's right. X, and yeah. we left this out. That's right. Uh, how about "Don't Mean Nothing" by Richard Marks? Okay. Don't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not as high as he sings it, but I can't do that. Speaking of high, we're going to go back to a single note that John hits here in a little while on a different on a different song, um, but. Uh, Freak on a Leash by Corn. Okay. Did not realize, but it makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, I get music that industry. Now. Um, Forget You by CeeLo Green is 
kind of about the music industry. It's like on its on its face, it's like a relationship yeah, song. Was- but it was spurred on by the fact that he was being kind of screwed around by his label. He recorded like seventy songs for his debut album, and they were like, "Eh." And he's like, "Are you serious?" And so he just wanted to do something to kind of mess with the label, and that became "Forget You" um, slash you know. Uh, how about uh, "Harder to Breathe"? Maroon Five is about the industry. Um, uh, "Lips Are Moving" by Megan Trainer. I know you're I lying because your lips are moving. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, pop singer, John Mellencamp. You know that one, right? I don't know that. Ain't going to be no pop singer? I don't think Yeah, you what, did. Oh, it you on? Know it. Yeah, maybe I did. I don't know. Um, but it was about, you know, early in his career, he got, they were trying to make him like the heartthrob and whatever. Ah, and he okay. was Johnny Cougar and uh, all this, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but and I guess apparently Mellencamp doesn't really do press. He hates to do any sort of appearances or promotional, whatever. He doesn't do like radio station gigs where you go in and promote the mm-hmm. show. He doesn't do any of that. So he's like, I just want to play my music and do the thing. Um, let's see. How about this? I love the song Fort Minor. Remember the name? You know the song? It got used in like the group is called Fort Minor. Yeah, the group is Fort Minor. It's them. it's it's one of the guys from. It's like a Mike Shinoda from um, uh, Lincoln Park. Okay, uh, Mike Shinoda is that his name? No, Mike. It's Mike? I'm okay, sure yeah, okay, Mike. okay. Um, and uh, some other, so it's like more of a hip-hop thing. Okay. They, they used to use it for the NBA playoffs, Okay, and it was awesome. Anyway, uh, how about Rosa Parks by Outkast? Okay. How about that? Um, Refugee by Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. That's Not My Name by the Ting Tings. You know that one? That's, That's not, not my name. name. Clap, clap. Yeah. Thank you, Thank There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Old Man Down the Road um, by John Fogarty. Oh yeah, yeah. We've talked about that. I think as part of his legal yeah. legal battle. Um, and uh, how about the stroke by Billy Squire, which we need to cover. Yeah, that you would know, be good. You know, strong Absolute man, stroke man. Yeah, is about. What a riff, dude! Yeah. But that's about like you know having to like glad hand music producers yeah. and schmooze everybody in the That'd industry and all that stuff. So Billy Squire is he still alive? That's good. Uh, if not, we'll cover it with Dave Barnes. Let's bag him. <laughs> That's our rule. <laughs> Y'all know we just broke the fourth wall of that, but like we, this is when great we find a song we this really want John. to cover, we're like, man, let's let's see if Dave wants to do that one with us because they're dead and there's no <laughs> one we can interview. Them. <laughs> uh, okay, so shoot us a message. Which dead artist should we should we cover with yeah. Dave? <laughs> Only qualification must be dead. They must be dead. dead or just totally unreachable. Dead or unattainable. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, a little more on John McLaughlin, a.k.a. John McL, which I think is a brilliant choice. His website is johnmcl.com because he knows everybody's going to misspell his last name. So uh, J-O-N-M-C-L.com, smart choice. Um, as I said before, just really good-looking guy. <laughs> I mean, you just, you just, you just want stare, to stare at those cheekbones, you know? Um, he's toured with Kelly Clarkson, OAR, Sister Hazel, Mark Broussard, and of course Dave Barnes, uh, Matt Wirtz. So, um, you know, he's just our kind of dude, man. And you did say earlier his his probably biggest hit is uh, Beating My Heart. Let's check that out. I would say Beautiful Disaster is his biggest hit. Oh, then, well, okay. But Beating My Heart has his highest line, I would think. Yes. With and the, uh, yeah. And I think Beating guy. My Heart is the has the most... Um, I I think beating my heart did better on the charts. I, I'm did not it, sure. Maybe. I'm not sure. But anyway, we listen. asked him about that on his upper register in the interview. Yeah, on yeah, this yeah. Song, but listen so, to this. Yeah, look, listen to this. Look, I look just want to play this. And the come alive line. It's got yes. It's got one of these. It's one of those like Boston type more than a feeling high notes yeah. that you go. There's no, no way, way he's getting there. Yeah, there's no way he's going to do. No this. No way Brad's getting that one. <laughs> but he hits it every time, every single time without fail. This is at the end of the bridge, uh, about two and a half minutes into beating my heart. 
For the record, that's an F sharp. That's a high F sharp. Just for some context, I believe that is also the highest note that I've ever heard Sammy Hagar hit. Goodness gracious. Okay? I mean, that's something right there. That's that's really... The first time I heard that, I like left my chair. <laughs> Rob, Rob F sharded. The last time I heard that F sharp. I just... I, just I said it like a swear word. F sharp. Like, I know. Holy cow. That was amazing. Uh, man, yeah. Great. Um, and then uh, one of my other favorite tracks of his, and we'll, co- we'll course play a little bit of Beautiful Disaster as well. Um, but uh, one of his more recent ones uh, that I really enjoyed was If You Mess With My Girl. Have you heard it? Oh, I love this song. Okay. Yeah, I haven't put the. Okay, this is a good transition. After you play that, I've got a If You Want, play this song by John McLaughlin. Okay, and oh, that's, great. That's my, that's my last one. If you want a fun song and a great video of what JP would look like throwing punches, watch and listen to Don't Mess With My Girl. It's so good. <laughs> I never been much of a fighter. I never threw a punch. I never really been in arguments with anyone. And I don't spring into action when I hear gunshots. So if you think that I'm tough, well, guess what? If you're lifting heavy objects, I am not your man. That's <laughs> my life story. Out the door when things get out of hand. To say what you want about me, cause I just don't mind. But we're gonna have to step outside. If you mess with my girl, you leave me with no choice. I might have to raise my voice. Get all up in your face and put you out in your place. If you mess with my I love that's what? my life story. That's me right there. If you mess with my girl, oh, such a great song. So, yeah. and I'll tell you guys, watch the video. There's a section. In great the, video. At the end where he's talking to him, he's like, "What are you doing tonight?" He's like, "Organic kale smoothies at my house." <laughs> oh, so good with a tiny piano and the donuts. Yeah. So let me transition into the if you want. Listen to that because okay. that was the, if you want a fun, great song of what JP would look like throwing punches. That's it. Okay. So if you're in a rocky relationship right now, listen to "Doesn't Mean Goodbye" and cry. Okay, so that's that one. If you want a mid-tempo pick me up with two of my faves ever, check out "Summer's Over" with he and Sarah Brells, who we talked about earlier. Thanks for hooking us up with her, John. We appreciate it. <laughs> if you want a moment with your young child, preferably female, like a daughter, play "Still My Girl." Uh, I don't even have kids, much less a daughter, yeah. but I still adore this song. Um, and it's also a bonus if you like cellos. Because two cellos right. play on there with him. And if you like Disney movies, aka Enchanted, check out So Close. Yeah. So how how about that? Uh, so, okay, he's had songs featured in a lot of uh, TV and movies. Um, he's had songs in Scrubs, Ghost Whisperer, Bridge to Terabithia. Um, and if you've ever seen Disney's Enchanted, the scene where Amy Adams dances with Patrick Dempsey for the King and Queen's uh, Waltz, the guy singing on screen and off is John. He sang the Oscar-nominated song So Close by Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz, and he got to perform it at the 2008 Oscars. Stick around to the interview. You heard some fun questions about that. Yeah. So uh, that's really cool. And he's We quizzed him. I think I quizzed <clears throat> him in a game. Yes, that's right. I, I believe you did. Yeah. And so uh, you can see him. He's, he's in the movie for, I mean – 
several seconds. It's a very brief cameo, but it's very cool that he got to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? That forever be, I mean, you get, first of all, he is a Disney prince. He is. <laughs> he, they were probably like, really wish we could have made this guy given him Patrick movie. Dempsey's role. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, but anyway, so he, he gets to, you know, be in front of the band. I was watching it wondering, cause you know, cameras are panning that whole time. And so you're getting shots, but you really only see him for a few seconds. Um, but I was wondering if he had to be there for all the days they were doing those shots oh, man, in case the camera that. panned around. Oh, wow. Or if they just had a stand-in that would have gotten like blurred out, yeah. you know what I mean, with the camera. I don't That's know. That's a great question. No well, you know, since we talked about games, I've got a good Stump the Genius. Well, I have a Stump the Genius. You want to play Stump the Genius? Let's do Let's it. Play Stump the Genius. Are you implying that it's not good? No, it's good. It's a good okay. It's a fun one. Here we go. Let's play. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right, we're going to play Stump the Genius. Famous musicians and artists from Indiana. Oh. What this is from, and this is another one where we're cheering for Rob, hoping he goes five for five. Okay. So I'm going to play a song. How do you like my chances? Good. Okay. I, I, strategically, I strategically went easiest to hardest, okay. like one through five. So okay. I feel so you're going like, to give me up front. I, I feel like, yes, okay. you should get this one. If not, Something's wrong. It's so going to be rough going if, we're, I miss the first if we one. miss the first one, we're in trouble. And I'll right. try to give you like 15 to 20 seconds of each. I don't think you'll need all of it. But we're going to see if Rob can go five for five okay. on Stuff for the Genius. Name this artist from Indiana. Here we go. That's Mellencamp. That is Mellencamp. I knew Mellencamp Camp was going to be in here somewhere. There it is. And we're going to start. I just got to hear the bass part. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle. and Cello. Come on. Killing it. As you brush your shoes, we got to get to the. Got to get the little trill. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. She broke my heart with that bass line. So good. Okay. Good job. One for one. I can keep listening, but on the go. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. You're going to get this one, too. When you get any kind of vocal, you'll get it. But this oh, is my fa- yeah. favorite okay. of her courses. Is it? Okay. This is Janet. This is Janet. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. That's right. The runaway. I think this 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 is definitely right up there for me. Dude, freaking love it. At the end, when she says, I didn't quite hit the note. Uh, that wasn't such yeah. a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Dan Jackson. Great job, Rob. Love this song, Runaway. Okay, two for two. I didn't bring the bell, but we're cheering. Oh, this, Hold this on. is where it starts to get a little to tougher. Immediately makes me think of Babyface. Boom. 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 That's oh, it. Yeah. You got okay. it. So, three for three, but this is when can I see you again? Okay. When or when can I see you again? Three for three. All right, here we go. Last two. Getting a little tougher, but Rob's killing it. Here we go. If anybody's going to get it, though, it's you. You're not getting any vocals. Yeah. Okay. Can you get to, like, a solo section? Obviously, those octaves make me think of two people, George Benson and Wes Montgomery. It is one of those. Okay. Think about... I think... Well, see, Benson's from Pennsylvania. Benson's from Pennsylvania. Okay, so it's Wes Montgomery. Wes Montgomery. I love the logic. Great job. That's bumping on Sunset. That's my favorite Wes Montgomery song. That's... Okay. That's how you can figure out how a key is song... What key a song is in sometimes. On guitar, it's not that you hear the key... It's that you hear the chords and you go, okay, this configuration of notes means that we're probably in E or uh-huh. D or That's whatever, good. right? It's the same kind of logic. Okay, four for four. This would be the toughie, but I'm cheering for you. 
This is the number one song, CMA song of the year in 1998. One day shy, years old. Country fans would grab it right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rob's not diehard late 90s country. I know that voice, though, for sure. How I cried when the sky let go. Oh man. With a cold and lonesome. This is a tougher one. So it's like, we're know the chorus. You'll know, you'll know the chorus, I think. Said, it's a popular song. Whether you'll know him, you know him, yeah. whether you can identify Grandma's him. Watching you today. Oh my gosh. Holes in the floor of heaven. Is it? Cause there's holes in the floor of heaven. Colin Ray? It's not. It's Steve Warner. Steve. Oh, okay. So they're like the that's very the same. close. That's right. Yes. That's good. Uh, okay. Then I was, this would have been my alternate for number five. Both are tough, but I love this song. This is. You're probably not going to know it. This is the toughie. Wait for it. You'll know the song maybe if you know old bluegrass. I don't know okay. old bluegrass. Let's hear it just because I want to hear a bit of it. This is like Earl Scruggs or somebody? It's, close. it's Bill Monroe. Okay, Bill so, Monroe. This is okay. Uncle Penn. I want to hear okay. the chorus just because I love it. Late in the evening, about sundown, how on the hill of the town, Uncle Penn played the fiddle, old how it rang. You could hear it talk, you could hear it sing. Okay. Anyway, go there we go. Four for five. I did all right. That's pretty yeah, good, good showing. Well, no, I got. Yeah, you got four for five. I missed two though. Well, I we're missed... not counting. The six was an alternate. Okay, I was trying to. Was... Oh, okay, okay. I was okay, trying to. Okay. That was the toughie. Okay. So I was going to pick one as the toughie. I got. So you. I'm only penalizing you. For, okay. All right. For one. Okay. For hey, that's not bad. I'll take it. Eighty percent. Great take job, it. Rob. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let us know how you did at home, you guys. John, right. let us know how you did. Let us know how Sarah did playing. <laughs> that's right. When you're talking to her about the show, when you're talking to her about the show. Yeah, Just and so. tell her how much she should definitely come on. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. I really the only other notes I have, I think, are about. The album, um, we should play a little bit be- Beautiful Disaster. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I wanted to note that the Indiana album uh, did fairly well on the charts. It went to number 25 on the U.S. Top Rock Albums chart, 81 in the Billboard Top 200, um, number 5 on the U.S. Christian Albums, and number 6 really? on the U.S. Digital it Albums charted chart. charted there. Okay. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And it's not, John is not a guy that is, you know, John is a, a man of faith, as it were, but it's not like, he's not like, I mean, I don't consider John a quote unquote a Christian industry artist. Uh-uh. You know what I mean? Um he's just a he's just a guy who makes great music. Um but uh yeah his album did really well on the on the uh Christian chart. So good for him. And number one number six on the US digital albums chart. Boom. Think about that. That's, that's huge. That's pretty impressive. Two thousand seven too that's yeah that's good. So that's good stuff. Let's listen to because some of you are probably just wait like you're not gonna play Beautiful Disaster. Let's play a little bit of it. Um and uh and then we'll take you to our wonderful interview with John, another one of those guys who just hopped in and started joking with us right away. We know if we know if we get somebody on the line and um, and they just start like ragging on us right away that we're going to be fast friends. And so he just hops in with us, uh, and we had a great time with him. And I think you guys will really enjoy it too. So play a little bit of "Beautiful Disaster." I was just going to make a joke. Three Eleven has a song "Beautiful Disaster." Oh, that's it. That's yeah. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I guess I have nothing against 311. I don't know. She loves her mama's lemonade. Hates the sound. 
on the goodbyes made. She prays one day she'll find someone to need her. She swears that there's no difference between the lies and compliments. It's all the same if everybody leaves her. Ouch! Come on. In every magazine tells her she's not good enough. The pictures that she sees make her cry. She would change everything, everything. Just ask her. Dude, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody help this girl. Pick this up. Come on. Let's pick up the energy. Jeez. Let's, All right. Let's kick it to the interview quickly before. <laughs> That's going to do it for our coverage. We're going to kick it over to John McLaughlin himself and have a good time there. We'll be back to tuck you in at the end. Uh, but in the meantime, make sure you go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us everywhere at Great Song Pod. Join the Facebook group, Great Songs, and the great people who love them greatly. Uh, and if you want to go the extra mile and support the show, be part of helping us make the show and get some extra goodies as a thank you, go to Patreon and support us there. Go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod and be signed up as one of the great pates. And uh, we will do our best to get you some goodies that will make it worth your while as a way of saying thank you as well. We'll see you in a minute after we talk to John McLaughlin. Let's kick it over to him now, and we'll be back to say goodbye. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with the man, the myth, the legend, the face. He's a gorgeous man. Dude, we're looking we're, at him on Zoom today. And we're going to talk about it. John <laughs> McLaughlin, uh, not to be confused with John, John McLaughlin, McLaughlin, who has a different pronunciation and an H in the John. If you're, if, you're, if you're looking on Google, you can easily, if you don't know the spelling, you can get those things confused. Uh, why don't we – actually, I want to start there because we're going to ask you anyway. John, first of all, thanks for being with us. Second of all, uh, how much of a problem is that for you, being, being, uh, getting confused with John McLaughlin, the jazz guitarist? Uh, well, in the beginning, it wasn't a problem at all. It was the only uh, reason why people came to my shows. <laughs> I remember I played the very first time that I played in Memphis. I played the High Tone Cafe. Man, this was probably 2003, maybe, or two. It was, it, it, and it was before I had any concept of marketing or like letting people know that you're playing. I was just excited that I was playing at the High Tone Cafe, like a real venue. And, and it was not within like, earshot of my parents' house. You know what I mean? (laughs) Were your parents there? Did they come to the show? They didn't make the drive, no. (laughs) But my band and I, we drove to Memphis from Anderson, Indiana. We get there, we load in, we sound check. Like, we're so excited. And we walk out on stage, and there is literally one person in the audience. (laughs) And that person left early, but... (laughs) They were very gracious. I found out later because our, our whoever was selling merch that night said, "Yeah, this guy came because he thought you were a different John McLaughlin." Oh man! 
but he bought a CD and he was very kind. But, but he did not stay for the whole show. <laughs> oh man! Me that- and Rob played in a blues band, and we got asked to play a high school, uh, what we thought was just a high school dance, and yeah. we showed, and it's a, it was a math dance for Mu Alpha Theta. So like those nerds that you see on TV, like in Saved by the Bell and stuff, they're real people, and they have a math club. And so it was, you could either go to the math dance, or so you go to the dance, yeah. or you could go play chess. Or you could go do more math. Those were the three <laughs> options. So everybody starts at the dance, and me and Rob are like, we're going to really connect these math people, and it's going to be like the greatest love story. By like halfway through the set, half the crew went to chess, yeah. and like the other group, I guess, went to do more math. <laughs> they literally and chose to go do math They chose of to listening. do math and chess more versus... trumped your set. Wow. Yeah, yeah so anyway. Really stole so really really thunder. You know, when, when that guy left early, all I could think was like, this guy... He had his whole night blocked off. <laughs> he had something else to do. I know it. He he bought a ticket to the show and came and then decided to make new plans. <laughs> He's like, I like that. That's funny. Man, that's great. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so it's funny because I planned on asking you a question about industry. The second verse of, of industry is sort of that, situ- it's kind of a situation similar. It says the crowd gets quiet as I start to play, and I think they're buying what I've got to say, but my def- uh, to my defiance, the music fades, and we all sit silent, and I crawl back inside uh, because it wasn't supposed to go this bad. Is that about that? <laughs> I, You know, I probably wrote that song uh, around that exact same time, so maybe. Not consciously, but maybe. That, that verse... Just about the uh, that comes from like a very real place in I think all of our heads that is constantly playing out the worst case scenario in every next engagement you have coming up. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We uh, we we'd plan to ask you industry questions later on, but since we're on it, I'll I'll spitfire some since we're already talking yeah. about the song. Um, the video you're like out feeding the ducks. Was that like? Was that you trying to look cool, or are you really like, man, I love these ducks. I, love these ducks. I just love feeding the ducks. Those, yeah, those ducks that squiggles uh, walk. <laughs> and uh, now that was, um, man, I forgot about that video. Oh, dude, I've, I've got more questions about it. Is uh, <laughs> that sort of like, sort of my first like quote unquote music video? Yeah, it, it sort of wasn't. A, it was like a like a promo video that we were maybe going to do an EPK for, I don't even know if the EPKs are a thing anymore. Um, and it was in Indianapolis. I was playing at this venue that night called, uh, what was it called? Music mill. That's no longer there, sadly. And so the label sent out, you know, a video crew to take, to take video. And it, and we were just doing that stock. Like they were like, why don't you go up and, uh, lean over the edge of the of the railing there and look at the river. And I'm, as I'm doing it, I'm like, this is, this is, I'm doing the thing that I swore I would never do. And they're like, just to, you know, like, kind of like throw some bread at the ducks down there. And I'm like, this a terrible, like, dateline story. So, so in my, in, at, at my sort of passive aggressive way of like fighting back against the ridiculousness of that, situation if you if you watch the video i the way that i'm throwing you're like you're, at the ducks like nolan is, ryan at the duck 
Yes. I'm like, I'm, I want this to be unusable, but they use it. <laughs> You're like, no, the ducks stay. So, like, the ducks That's stay. That's non-negotiable. You're a, and you, you, there's a lot of concert footage of you playing. Sta- I never realized how you play standing up when you play aggressively. Has that gone bad on your back as you've gotten older? Like, cause that looks incredibly uncomfortable. It's killer rock star look. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. You're beating the snot out of the keys. But as you've gotten older, has that messed with your back? Well, I I don't really play like that anymore. Uh huh. But it's mainly because like that back in those days, I used to break keys on my keyboard. That's awesome. I'm, I had to have that that keyboard that is in that video is this Yamaha Motif Eight. And Yamaha sent me all like 88 new keys for that keyboard because they all had to be replaced. I would, I would break them every night. Sometimes I remember changing keys. Like I'd tell the band like, Hey, we got to play this one in B flat. Cause I can't like what? three B that I won't be able to play. Let's just take it down to B flat tonight. Oh, and man. but I was playing and singing just with every muscle in my body. And because I just felt like I'm going to show, I'm going to just James Brown it all night. <laughs> yeah. And I want, even if this song isn't good enough, they're going to take pity on me and they'll buy my record because I'm working so hard. <laughs> it just sweating. Sweat everywhere. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I used to walk off stage completely drenched in sweat. And when I listen back to some of those live recordings, I mean, my, I'm singing horribly. It's the complete opposite of the way you're supposed to sing and play. <laughs> like, you should be exerting as little effort as possible. But I felt like, well, I can't, you know, that's not going to translate live. I got to, you know. So I think now, you know, 15 years in, I'm realizing there's a lot of things that I used to do on stage that took a lot of effort. Like I was basically doing a squat the whole half. And when you look back at the video, I'm like, well, people can't really tell that you're hovering half an inch above your drum throne. Just sit on the drum throne. (laughs) Well, obviously I noticed because I was like, man, that looks uncomfortable. (laughs) It was very uncomfortable. Yeah. For everyone. But I bet your glutes are amazing. <laughs> My glutes are pretty solid. I will yeah. uh, To answer your question, I did have lower back issues for a long time, yes. Man. Uh, do you have a preferred, um, like, given one choice, they say, okay, you're, you're, um, you're playing at, at the Bridgestone uh, tonight, tomorrow night, and we can have any piano and any keyboard or synth on stage for you what what are you going with and like when he says piano like baby grand or yeah, grand, like, legit, like a yeah. baldwin steinway yamaha yeah. story and clark something like that what do you pick yeah i i mean or do you have a preference I, would take, I, I mean every piano is different so like there's a there's a theater in phoenix arizona called the mim and it's this amazing theater that i that i love and they have, I think, three like nine foot grands that when you get in, you can you can pick from. And I'm I'm I've been a Yamaha sponsored artist for like thirteen years. So let me just come out right now and say I'll take the Yamaha every time. Right, absolutely correct. Good answer, wise answer. But in all seriousness, in all truth, 
Last time I was at the MIM, I was like, you know what? Let's, let me, normally we just have them roll the, the Yamaha out, but they've got a Steinway and they might have a Bosendorfer. And I was like, you know what? Don't roll anything out yet. Let me get there a little bit early and I'll go back and I, I just want to play them. And I ended up going with the Yamaha, but every, every piano is different. But I will say, I don't get the chance to play on a full, like a nine foot, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, like, I had forgotten how amazing just having that full piano sound. So I will take a, a, a nine foot Yamaha grand. I don't even need any keyboards, nothing. Just, just give me the nine foot grand. Nice. Well, yeah, we noticed, I noticed that you play Yamaha cause I watch your, uh, your dueling piano videos, which are amazing. Um, huge fan of those. And you play that Yamaha CP electric piano on most of those that that i've watched um do you tell a little bit about how you got doing the dueling pianos videos i didn't even put that on our question list sorry <laughs> i just noticed that go for it yeah that, that actually was a an idea that my management had for dueling pianos um and i can't remember exactly it was a couple years ago two three years ago that they threw the idea to me and um and it actually like i don't know that i ever would have done it because i just thought that seems like a lot of work and seems like type of thing where you don't really know if it's actually going to work until you do it. Right. And so, you know, we did it. And the, the first day of shooting, we had Ben Rector and Gabe Dixon yep. lined up to come in. And we had like a, you know, film crew. We've got maybe six or seven people there. We got the engineer. We got the studio. We got two grand pianos. We got it all ready to go. And I had some, you know, ideas for arrangements and stuff like that. But I mean, I had no idea until we start playing this thing. I don't know if it's actually going to sound good. I mean, we could be 15 seconds into this and realize, Oh, this is, this doesn't actually sound good. (laughs) This is going to be terrible. (laughs) It was a real roll of the dice. Um, but it, I mean, it's it worked. Been so fun. It worked. It worked great. It worked. The the one with Gabe was that the the why I'm talking to you is that the first one you did? Yeah, that, yeah. That's um, good. That dude is that dude is hands down one of the most talented people that I know. He's just crazy talented. Good. That is quite a compliment. Um, why don't we let's let's go back now. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about the first time that we saw you. Um, it was one of those things where. I'm sure you've had things like this where you you go to a concert for the headliner um, and then the opener blows you away to such a degree that you end up listening to their music on the way home. Um, and that's kind of the way it was uh, with us uh, because we saw you, and I hope you'll take this as the compliment that I intended to be, we saw you open for Billy Joel at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. Um, About six years ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and which yep. is the one of the absolute coolest opening gigs you could ever possibly have i imagine especially as a, as, as a piano guy um Absolutely. and so but we we left going that john mclaughlin dude uh, you know whatever and so we start downloading albums and listening and um i went out and bought indiana like right after that like i went out and got it and wore it out Twelve thirty at night my wife like, will tell you like <laughs> when i fi- when i get hooked on something i'll wear it out yeah. and so she was like fortunately she likes you so that was good <laughs> But I literally destroyed that album. I played through it so many times. Um, it's better better you than anything that Neil Sean plays guitar on. My wife hates Neil Sean. <laughs> so at least it wasn't like 
his solo guitarness for <laughs> seven days sure. straight. But, uh, right. but yeah. So, and then so, do the follow up question on that. So, uh, t- tell us about that sort of process. I know, uh, you know, we haven't talked about it much, but, uh, you know, when like national touring acts come into town, they'll find, they'll get somebody who is, you know, from the region, uh, you know, often to, to open for them who is in kind of a similar vein or maybe reaches a similar audience. What's that process like of getting the call to be like, hey, Billy Joel, you, you know, you're going to open for Billy Joel for this show. We're going to open for this act on this leg of a tour or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget it. We were, so we actually didn't live in Nashville at the time. We were okay. still in Indianapolis. And my wife and I and, and our first daughter, Luca, were at home. It's, it's, you know, like we're about to go to bed. It's late at night. I get this email from my agent. And the subject says Billy Joel, <laughs> which is not a normal subject for his emails. <laughs> and he, you know, in classic agent non-emotion, he was just like, uh, hey, Billy Joel's people reached out. They'd like for you to play uh, Detroit, Toronto, and Nashville. Uh, these dates, let me know how you want to proceed. <laughs> I'm like, so I called him, and I'm like, I'm confused. <laughs> Will there be ducks? <laughs> First off, can I bring the ducks? What's the budget there? <laughs> um, I, I just like... From that moment until we, until I met him in Detroit on, on stage, there was a part of me that was like, this something, there's something wrong here. (laughs) Like paperwork got mixed up. I'm not supposed to be here. I was waiting for somebody, some security guard to like escort me out. Yeah. Does he think I'm the jazz guitarist? (laughs) Exactly. He's like, my friend of mine uh, went to your show in Memphis back (laughs) And he's been raving about it ever since. He bought the CD. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bought the CD. yeah, he was so excited he left early to to call to call me, me yeah. to say you got to check this guy out. So much he couldn't stay yeah. in its presence. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he came up to me uh, on stage when we were about to sound check, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and I I had to like remember how to form words <laughs> and sentences. He was so kind. He That's just awesome. And he doesn't normally ever have openers, which is another reason why I was so confused. I was like, Billy doesn't, he doesn't bring bands out with him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was just like completely, completely surreal because he's just my hero of all time. And he was so kind and he was great. It was amazing. Yeah. So what did you take away from that experience going forward? Uh, Either, you know, things to incorporate into your own, shows or from a business standpoint, audience standpoint, what do you take away from, from, uh, you know, doing some, a handful of shows with Billy Joel? Well, it's kind of one of those things where like, and, and I try to give myself, like cut myself some slack in these situations because you're never going to like hit the bullseye. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. can't ever really take those moments fully in. Maybe if we had done like a, a 30 show tour or something like that, but it was, it was three shows, and, uh, you know, I don't get a chance to play arenas that often. My shows are not in arenas, you know? Right. So, I definitely, you definitely learn a, I mean, just the songs, the songs win. Like, he's, I, I've listened to a ton of interviews 
with him and how he talked about back in the day, like how he started to write for the arena. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's, he's been playing in arenas since like the seventies, you know? So, so you, you have to write certain songs for the room, you know? And so I walked away with, with some of that kind of practical, like, Oh, I noticed like, you know, by show three, by, in, by Nashville, we changed things up a little bit from the Detroit set where we're like, okay, this, this is not translating here. This, this intro here, we got to cut. Cause that just doesn't translate, you know, it would translate at city winery, but it's not translating at Bridgestone, you know? So there's some things like that. Um, but yeah, there's, it's one of those situations where you, you look back and you just want to, you want to do it over again to get even more out of it. And then you want to do it again to get even more out of it. And, you know, so there are parts of these interviews that we do where we just rapid fire things that we love about people. And I'm going to try to keep them under control and phrase them in question forms. I'm not like, (laughs) I love it when you do this. I love this. This is amazing. So one thing, your upper register is through the roof. Like you're not just a great piano player. You're also a fantastic vocalist. Um, if you want to, for our listeners, listen to "Beating My Heart," the "Look at the Sky," but that "Come Alive" line that you hit at like minute three is ridiculous. Um, so when you're listening at home, play "Beating My Heart" and then go. That's the first track on this album for the you guys that are watching. Nobody's watching. It's on OK now. <laughs> but um, but yeah, go listen to that and skip ahead to minute three if you don't want to hear the whole song just to hear him wail. <laughs> but I would recommend listening to the whole song. What is the and then your highest, your high notes on promising promises is like for is ridiculous. What's the highest note you sing on any of your recordings? Do you know what's like the note? Your Mariah Carey note. Mm. I I don't. It might be that the bridge of beating my heart, or uh, there's a song called O on a record called Holding My Breath, where there's a little bridge jam section, and I do this crazy high thing where it's like you know if you're feeling good i was feeling good that day and my voice could get up there and uh it's ridiculously high i would never i could never do it live it's not when they're gonna throw on you in the morning talk show where you're like hey <laughs> kick us off the little o to start us off this morning john if you don't mind no it's not happening on good <laughs> um yeah it's kind of one of those two but that that the bridge of uh beating my heart that might be it that's as, about as high as I can go. Uh, uh, obviously, too, a lot of people talk about um, – now, this is coming from two dudes. What a good-looking guy you are. Yeah. Like, everybody comments on – do you think that helped propel you into the pop world, or do you think people that are true music guys are like, ah, that guy's just getting it because he's got the looks, and they overlook a lot of your chops? Like, that's my nickname for you um, is Chops, which you'll we'll discuss that later, but um, we'll talk <laughs> with Dave about that, and you'll get to hear that story. Um Later, I got nicknames for all of Dave's friends, but you're chops. Do you think people um, overlook your piano playing skills because you're a, a sharp-looking dude, or did it help you? Uh, you're like, hey, I have fingers too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I will say that my, uh, you know, it's, it's a – I want to first acknowledge it's a slightly uh, – 
uncomfortable thing to talk about. Sure. You're, you're blushing. About, I can see it I on the Zoom. Yeah, I can we can, see we your, can your edit face colors. We pick the questions that we actually post in the interview so we can edit this out like the time that no, I'm keeping it. told him that he was a good-looking guy and he had to square. No, but what was funny in all honesty is we have Dave and I have an interview coming up and I, it that's one of my questions. Like it it has to do with how good-looking this guy is because <laughs> I'm interested in that kind of thing. I do think it's fascinating uh you know what I was going to say is my record label, I think, I think went a certain direction. Sure, that makes I sense. didn't want them to go. I didn't want to go that direction, and I think looks had a had a big part in that, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think, I, I do think some of that uh, sort of like artist um, legitimacy in in people's eyes um, took a hit because of the way that I was marketed, you know? Yeah, that, ma- that makes sense. I think you answered that very well. Yes. That was, that was a good answer to that. I got one more, and then I'll kick it to Rob for one. So you got a lot of songs in movies. Um, you got songs in movies like um, Another Layer in Bridge to Terabithia, Beautiful Disaster in Georgia Rule with everybody's favorite, Lindsay Lohan, um, So Close and Enchanted, which is probably one of your biggest. Now, you performed that at the 80th Oscars in 2008, I want to play a game. Are you down for a game? We play games with some of our guests. Can I play uh, how well were you paying attention at the Oscars? I've got three questions, and if you get it right, you get the bell. If you get it wrong, I don't have an X, but here we you go. You get a duck sound. You get a duck sound. That's right. We're going to throw squiggly. So uh, so are you down to play a game? Three questions. I'll keep it quick so we can move. Okay. Game on. Which film won the most awards with four in the 80th Oscars. And I'll give you multiple choices to help you out. Was it No Country for Old Men, Juno, or The Bourne Ultimatum? I was going to say No Country for Old Men. That is correct. Ding, 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 ding. One for one. <laughs> out the gates blazing. Number two, who hosted the Oscars that year? Were you paying attention? Was it Tom Hanks, John Stewart, or Billy Crystal? John Stewart. John oh. Stewart. Very good. Billy Crystal hosted the most, I think. Yeah. But you were actually watching. Good job. Number three. <laughs> And for the clean sweep, name the other song from Enchanted that Amy Adams performed. Was it Happy Working Song, Falling Slowly, or Ever After? Ever, Ever After. It's in the same okay. movie. Toughy. Hang on. Hang on. I, I totally, I remember her taking the stage that night because I remember she, it was just her. It uh-huh. was an empty stage and just her. And I remember thinking... How is she doing this? I am so nervous. How is she doing this? Uh, what, tell, happy tell me what, happy what working that? song, Falling Slowly, or Ever, Ever After. All three were nominated that year. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say Happy Working no! Song. Clean, sweet, <laughs> well nailed done. it. Falling slowly was from once ever, ever after is a Carrie Underwood song. So good job nailing the game, hundred percent. Wow. Nobody well ever done. gets a hundred. Nobody. That's awesome. First. John, smartest wow. guy in the room. <laughs> <laughs> in addition to being musical prodigy, artist extraordinaire, you are also now a podcast host. Uh, and you mentioned that you that you host a podcast with Dave Barnes called Dadville, um, which is awesome. Everybody go subscribe to Dadville. Um, you had. I mean, you had Ted Danson on your show. I, I don't even have time to get into how you had Ted Danson on your show. But I want to ask. Um, Still don't know. <laughs> I want to ask, what are the uh, 
pros and cons, I guess, is, is one way to put it. What's, what's great about podcasting as opposed to writing, singing, performing? And what's, what's harder about podcasting than writing and performing? Uh, working with Dave is super difficult. I think you guys <laughs> tell us about it. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, just his ego. No, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's a totally different thing. I mean, trying to figure out how to have, how to conduct a good interview and like, is this interesting? Is the pace going well? Is this something that just I'm interested in? Right. I really want to ask question but will that offend our guest or you know yeah. how open are they it's like uh, that what makes it hard is what i also love about it like mm. it i love that it is a creative thing i feel like dave and i i mean in all honesty working with dave is is uh a blast like he lives right across the street we see each other every day the fact that we get to create something together that i think I think is worthwhile and is doing, you know, putting some good in the world is amazing. And also what makes it challenging is, is just, it's this other thing that I'm not, I've never done before, you know, on its face, you think, Oh, it's just a conversation, you know, let's just turn the mics on and chat. And then after we did it the first time, we were like, we should erase that. (laughs) (laughs) We should do that. It's, it's harder than, than you think. I don't know if that was your guys' experience, but that was our experience. And we're, you know, maybe we don't worry about being that good or whatnot, but we don't <laughs> we don't rehearse or practice or anything. We just jump in, and it uh, we like it, and, we, yeah, and our just, listeners seem to like it too because it's not like we don't discuss what we're going to talk about before we go in. We just come yeah. in fresh, and it seems to work for us, yeah. and that's because, honestly, I get to hang out with my best friend. It's really right. cool, and yeah. we get to chat, and it translates well, and I feel like – and you guys, you guys are fantastic too. So like it's I love I love the energy. It's a different kind of energy than us. You guys are uh, you know it's it's different, but it works yeah. because you guys work together. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and speaking of oh, that's a good segue. Speaking of working well together, uh, my second favorite John moment is on uh, this album. Which by the way, uh, promising promises you self financed at with as if ever before which was another question i was going to go and that's amazing but my second favorite john moment is with sarah Bareilles on that talk about working with sarah Bareilles because like dave asked us a few weeks ago when we were on his podcast who's your three guests that you'd like to get she was number four on my list of three and could easily bump into the top three she's like a bucket Uh list for me um so talk about working with her and kind of that that phase i love summer is over thank you uh, so Sarah and I met when we were her, both of our first albums were coming out. So Indiana was coming out and her little voice album was coming out. And, um, we met, we did this, like, I think it was like a month and a half tour together, both of us, like in our vans with our bands and, you know, all of us became quick friends She's just insanely talented and hilarious, and so she's always, you know, anytime I'm writing a song that could be a duet, I'm always thinking, oh, maybe Sarah would do this. And so there were actually there were actually two songs on that record that I wanted as duets, and Sarah I heard on this on a different song, um, and the on "Summer Is Over." Was it on Kelly "Maybe C- It's Over"? The other one. The other duet? Yeah. Yep. So Kelly Clarkson actually sang the first duet for Summer is Over 
and I wanted Sarah to do Maybe It's Over, and Kelly actually had a single coming out the day that we were going to release my record. So her label was like, no, that you oh, wow. absolutely can't release that. So um, it, this is a longer story, but... Uh, it flip-flopped. This, she got yeah, that so song? Sarah ended up doing Summer Is Over. Brilliant. And this girl, Senya, yep. ended up doing Maybe It's Over, who has one of the coolest voices ever. So it all worked out great. So, so if you're going to write a duet song with a female, make sure the word over is in there for those of y'all that are paying attention. <laughs> Gets them every time. It'll get them get every time. Would you like to share with our listeners a good <laughs> Or Dave, just with us. Or just with us. If, if a it's good, PG-13. A good Dave Barnes story that he might, might not share on his own, and then we'll ask him for one. Just knowing full well that next time we see him, we're going to ask him for one on you. Oh, man. Guys. It, there's so much. I have to. <laughs> I'm going to sit here in silence for 10 minutes, just <laughs> sifting through. <laughs> um, one of my favorite stories, I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind, probably because I was talking about the music mill, that venue in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave played a show at the music mill. I don't know when this was years and years ago with his band. And he made this like last minute audible call right before the show started where he's like, you know what? It would be a great idea is why don't I play? Why don't I start in the audience tonight? We'll start (laughs) the show hands on stage and I'll be in the audience and people will love it, which is great. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. That that idea is great. Holding guitar or not just sitting out there. (laughs) Holding the guitar. And you guys, if you guys, the listeners know his song crazy about you, it kind of like starts off with this little groove and like, he he starts out with the guitar riff, you know, and but he doesn't have a mic or anything. So he's just out there. He's got his wireless, you know, on, on the guitar so they can hear the guitar. So the band starts, Dave starts playing, it, it, and it works. Like, the crowd's like, oh, there he is. He's right there. Oh, my gosh. And he's, <laughs> but then there's no good way to get back on stage. Get on stage. <laughs> and... The stage is like, I don't know, five feet. I mean, you if you you could maybe jump up on the stage if you were like a former Olympian, right. or if, if you just didn't have a guitar in your hand, or you if know you what I mean? if you work out every night playing industry bent over, and you've yeah. got just like these jumping on the back stage, muscles like no problem. That's right. Yeah. Not saying, but so he's playing this riff and. And slowly kind of realizing his predicament in real time. <laughs> and also, that the novelty of that wears off pretty quick. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> the audience. And then they st- it's like, oh, he's, he needs help. He's still here and he can't get That's awesome. Oh, I love this. This is great. Kind of like walking around and, and he <laughs> ends up sort of like <laughs> putting his leg over the top of the stage. <laughs> and he has to stop mic for a while. And by the time he gets up to the mic, the band has been playing that riff for so long. And he, it's just and he's mic. exhausted. <laughs> exhausted. He it, like they immediately take an intermission. That's great. <laughs> take five guys. That's hilarious. Uh, oh, that's, I love that. That is better than what I anticipated. Yeah. That's like, fantastic. That was good. Maybe I set the bar too low in my mind, but that was wonderful. <laughs> um, yep. I got, I got one more I'm going to hit you with, and then we'll let you go. Uh, 
who is who remains on your bucket list to share a stage with in in really sort of any capacity, whether it's duet or like you know sharing a bill with somebody or or anything like that? Who's who's left on your bucket list? And can I guess? Can I guess? I want to try to guess your one of your two. Now that takes away from it. <laughs> I want to, I want to hear your guess now though. John Mayer, Ben Folds. Those are my two guesses. Ben Folds is what I was going to say. Okay, Bam. I got in there. All right. I cool. would gladly share the stage with John Mayer as well, uh, but. Ben Folds, so Ben Folds, Harry Connick Jr., okay, Billy and Elton John are my kind of my four like pillars, and I feel like I've got a great Elton story, I've got a great Billy story, I kind of have a, a Ben Folds story, but not really like, and I've never even met Harry Connick, so I feel like those two guys I I, I would love to share the stage with. That's great, great. great. same. Great. I mean, honestly, great. Great. Real yeah, same. you can't can't beat that. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the kind of the prelude to industry. It's so it's so different, such a different vibe. I love the way that it opens up the you know opens up the track, but it's sort of a faster tempo, different time signature, you know, kind of thing. Um, like I love it, and I'm so glad it's there. My question is, how did it get there? Well, when I wrote it, I mean, it was one of the early like first songs that I wrote. Honestly, it was one of the first songs that I wrote where I was like. Oh, I think this one might be like a good song. <laughs> I wrote lots of bad songs and still, but, but I, I wrote it during a, when I was in college and I studied classical piano in college. So I, I spent countless, countless hours in a tiny practice room, just me and a, you know, upright piano and maybe a personal pan pizza. That was like my normal Friday night. Um, and so I feel like, Things like that that are written, they're not really conscious. Like, I wouldn't consciously think, let's start this song in 6-8 and then just go right into 4-4. Like, on paper, that doesn't even, you don't even know if that works. It's just one of those things that comes on hour seven of playing and just <laughs> practicing your Chopin and then messing around with something. And I probably wouldn't have written it had I not played, like, six hours of Chopin beforehand. And then that riff just kind of came out you know yeah well i'm glad it did yeah i'm me super too. glad it makes me feel good every time like really it it's, <laughs> it gets hype and then it, it makes the it makes the real sort of feel of the song feel like this little pleasant surprise every time it sets it up and you go oh yeah now it's this bouncy little like you know this bob i love it that's good yeah. and it's a great way to kick an, an album off yeah, so totally. you guys if you don't have the indiana album go do yourself a favor and go buy it like right now Get the Indian album and the industry EP. Yeah, get them all. There's like four different versions of industry yeah. or four different four different appearances of industry out there. Just go go get Just them. Just get them all. Um, yeah. Well, we're running out of time, and we gotta we gotta hit a couple things really quick. There's one question that we ask everybody, um, and for the, those of you guys that want to learn more about John, uh, you can look up on Wikipedia about the industry EP and go down, and there's a link to his MySpace page, so everybody can make sure to jump over to the MySpace page and check out John. Still links Give there. Give a minute to update some things on there. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your top four? Right Tom, Tom, JP, and Rob. I actually never had a MySpace. Um, but the one question that we ask everybody, uh, John, thanks again. You've been so kind. You're on tour either with a band by yourself. You go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine really quick. I get a Three Musketeers bar because my mom would say you could get any candy bar you want. And it's the most ounces, and they're all about the same price. So what is your gas station snack food of choice? First off, I'm going to look for the green Sun Chips bag. Oh, and, okay. And I'm not going to find it. Yeah. Because 
So then I'm going to go for the um, kettle corn, the like purple Ooh. bag. I forget what it's called. Yeah. That's good. Purple bag, kettle corn. They're like salty um, and sweet, right? That's like the. Yeah. And I'll, I'll so get good. that, the biggest bag they have. And then a few hours later, I'll feel so much shame. And, it's all- <laughs> and then you'll have to stand up and play industry to, to work it out, <laughs> to sweat it out. That's why, that's why I'm standing up because I can't sit down. I just, like, <laughs> you know. That's right. Spe- speaking of being a snack, ladies and gentlemen, that was John McLaughlin. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Guys, this was so fun. Thank you for having me on. This is a blast. Yeah, you're Dude, awesome. Let's do it again sometime you're if, you're, if you're down. We'll do this again sometime in the future, John. We still got a bunch of questions. Uh, I got a question about the Indiana Hoosiers. What about your tattoo? All kinds of stuff. So we'll just uh, we'll save that for round two. Um, go ahead and hook us up with uh, Sarah Borellis. We appreciate that that hookup. Yeah, so that at your convenience, at your convenience, just uh, just drop that, and we'll pelt some ducks. We'll get together and throw some some bread at some ducks sometime. <laughs> Please do, in my honor. (laughs) That's right. We'll send you a picture of me and Rob just destroying these ducks. (laughs) Thanks, man. You've been a lot of fun. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. This is the Great Song Podcast. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was so much fun. John McLaughlin. John McL. J-O-N McL. Laughlin, uh, and uh, we hope you guys you can hear his handsomeness. I think in the interview, what a good dude, man. I just, too nice guy. I really, I should have said, everybody, go look at a picture before <laughs> the interview starts, so you just know if if at certain points we paused, it's just because we get just lost in that, you know, <laughs> just lost. And we didn't even talk about that. He is we we talk about it in the interview, but we didn't even mention in our coverage that he's one half of the Dadville podcast, absolutely, with our friend Dave Barnes. Um, and uh, you should definitely check that out, especially if you're a dad, but also just because they're both goofballs together and they talk about a lot of fun stuff, dad related and non just person related. You'll be a better person if you go listen to the dadville podcast. So make sure you do that as well. Uh, we'll be back next week as season eight rolls on with another great song until then I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.